Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. As you find your seats today, again, I want to welcome you to Calvary. I'm glad that you've joined us here uh, on this very unique, special Sunday. We talk about uh, uh, several things. We've been in a series this month called Holy Habits, and leading now into, into February, we're talking about things that uh, disciplines, habits in our life that help us spiritually, and they just ways that uh, when you make these habits, they actually will, are, are for all of life. And we've, we've had a couple of great weeks, uh, just kind of remind you and, and congratulate you on some things that you've, you've been a part of. We talked about um, the, the scriptures and how that regular habit is important to our lives. Took a 30-day challenge, and I, I congratulate those of you who, are, who have taken that and who are trying every day to just get into the Word and, and let the Word of God truly get into you. Um, last Sunday, we took a challenge about giving and, and taking a next step in your giving, whether that would be to, to, to start giving or to give proportionally or to give extravagantly. And so I congratulate all of you, those that are taking that challenge and several of you who actually put your names down. And I, I've got you in my, my prayer journal and I'm praying for you throughout this, this challenge just to continue to see, let you see what God has in mind for you. So I congratulate you on that. Starting next Sunday, I mentioned we're going to talk about the, the habit of prayer, but we're going to take several weeks and just talk about prayer and several things we're going to do during this month to just encourage us in praying for one another and praying individually. Uh, all leading up to one final weekend in February, we're going to have a whole weekend of, of learning about prayer and actually praying together, and we're going to have a concert of prayer, and it's just going to be a, a, a great wrap-up to this, this idea of, of talking about prayer. So that's where we're going, that's where we're talking about habits, and, and this is the verse that we've been, we've been looking at, it's found in 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, and uh, the, it essentially says this, train yourself, exercise yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things. It's good to, to work out, but it's important that you're spiritually working out, you're spiritually exercising. These habits are critically important for us as followers of Christ. So speaking of uh, physical exercise and, and physical um, things that we do, for some of you who are into sports, you might know that today there's something going on this afternoon. There's some kind of a game happening. You know, they call it the, the Super Bowl, right? Some of you are, are, most of us don't care around here, right? There's not too many. But it is, it's going to be a good game and all that kind of stuff. So today, the title for our, our message is Get Into the Game. Get in the game. That's what we're talking about. Now, I actually had an alternative uh, title that I was going to call today, and that would be Don't Double Doink, okay? Now, <laughs> I'm sorry, was that too soon for, for some of you? <laughs> for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the beloved Bears uh, from just up the road a little bit uh, were in a playoff game. They lost the game 16 to 15, one point, but they had an opportunity in the last second for a 43-yard uh, field goal, and the, the kicker, when he kicked it, it actually hit the sidebar and hit the crossbar that thus the double doink, and it didn't go in. Now, those of you who are not familiar with football, let me just explain. That went nuts around the world, this double doink thing, but especially in Philadelphia, okay, where that's the team that beat them, obviously. Uh, that was actually was a billboard in the, outside of Philadelphia, double doink, fly, eagles, fly. They actually had double doink specials at restaurants. You could get two for one. You could have, they got T-shirts. They actually had a slogan. I, I read, this cracked me up. It said, uh, 
The double doink heard around the world, okay, so it's in Philadelphia. You get all that, okay, the whole thing. They actually, the Friday after the game, one of the local businesses had a contest, and they would give $10,000 if anybody could replicate that kick from 43 yards and hit the field goal. And they had people show up, just hundreds of them, trying to get $10,000. So it really went nuts. So the reason I say that is when it comes to what we're talking about today, this idea of serving, my hope is that, that we don't double doink, <laughs> that, we, that we don't miss this. The Bible is so full of, of the, the concept of what God has privileged and called us to do in serving that, it's a, that would, it's a shame that so many Christians miss out on the opportunity, the privilege of doing what God has called us to do in this area of service. So we're talking about uh, getting into the game. A verse that we're going to look at today from the words of Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 4. Now, when he gets to this verse, he's talking about several different things. He's kind of a list of things that, that Christians are to do. He talks about praying, talks about loving, talks about being hospitable. And then he gives this powerful challenge. Look at this verse, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's pretty clear. I mean, it's pretty crystal what he says. What, whatever gift you have, use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. From that verse, I, I want to pull out uh, two of our questions that we've been asking each week during this series. We're asking the interrogative questions, the, the what, the who, the so forth. Okay, so let's talk about the, the, the what, first of all. And, and the idea from this verse, the what is very simply this. He says, use your whatever gift to serve others. That, that's the what, and that's what I want to challenge you today, to intentionally use your whatever gift. And I, I love the way this version reads. It's just whatever. I mean, that's open. It's there, but whatever it is, it's going to look different from every person in this room. It's not, you, can't, you can't pigeonhole it because all of us are different, but you do have something, whatever it is, that you intentionally use your whatever gift to serve others. And I would add the, the caveat to serve others through his church, to serve others through the body, and we'll talk about how all that is important, but to serve Christ through his, his church. So literally, the, the starting point for some of you is just to get in the game, to just, to just get into it. Some of you have been in the game, and so the challenge today is get back in the game. That some of you who are in the game, you're veterans, you're serving, this, hopefully this is encouraging to you that, you, that what you're doing is worth it, and, and during those times of discouragement that you keep going, I hope all, wherever you are in this spectrum, all that we're talking about today, the Calvary team, all these signs, all the things that you, the testimonies, this is all about, and so I'm not ashamed or apologizing at all to say the goal of today is to intentionally encourage you to use whatever gift you have to serve others through God's church. That the what is quite clear today. I want to make sure you understand that. But we're going to spend a lot of time on the why, but it starts in this verse as well. The why, going back to 1 Peter chapter 4, it's not only use whatever gift you have to serve others, but the why in, in big terms is because you are a manager of whatever it is that God has given you. You are a faithful steward. You are a manager of the gifts that God has given you. God, what you have, the abilities, the talents, everything you have is not yours. It belongs to someone else. The word steward means that you are taking care of someone else's property. 
You're taking care of someone else's belongings. You're making sure that it's cared for and it's being used effectively. Everything that you have belongs to God and he's given it to you. You're a manager of it. And what we are to be is faithful stewards of God's grace in whatever form it is that he has given that to us. So the challenge is that you intentionally use your whatever gift because you're a manager of that gift. And God is going to hold you accountable for how you use what he gave you to use. You're a manager of what God has given you. Today, I want to call your attention, and we're going to we're going to kind of unfold this passage today. Romans chapter number 12. So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, there's a, about eight verses there that I want us to kind of unpack today. And we're talking about this whole idea of managing God's gifts and, and specifically why, but we're going to talk about the hows as well. And it, a lot of it comes from these passages. Romans chapter number 12. I just want to read through the first few verses and, and, and get you an idea. We've heard some of these before, but you're going to get the, the concept of how all this works in what he's talking about in, in your gifts. It starts in verse number one. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse two, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now notice how this continues. Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has a one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now notice verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Get into the game is what we're talking about. Now, as managers, what we're talking about today, as managers, of you are a manager of what God has given you. Followers of Christ, hear me on this. You have been given something by God. It is not yours to do whatever you, you are a manager, to do it the way God has called you. And the reason we know that, let me share three facts that we learned right from this passage itself. The first one is this, that every believer is a member of Christ's body. The, the, the very underlying all this, the fact is, you're a manager because it, you are a member, if you're a follower of Christ, of Christ's body. Look at that verse again, verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Just that very, the, the, the first three words, so in Christ, that is just incredible. That's an incredible set of doctrine right there, Theolo theology. When, when someone asks, you know, do you, have, you, have your sins been forgiven? Yes, they, I hope, yes. I, are you going to heaven? They, uh, do, do you, are you a child of God? All those are great questions. But you could summarize all those kind of questions into one question. Are you in Christ? Do you understand that being a believer is not about some kind of, uh, you know, contract at the end or some kind of fire insurance policy? It is simply, are you in Christ? 
The question is, do you, are you, have you been baptized? Have you been immersed into who Jesus is? Do you live in him? If so, then you have been forgiven. If so, you are a child of God. If so, then heaven is your home someday if you are in Christ. So, so my question is very clear, and you'll hear some more about it as we go along, but my question for you is, are you in Christ? Has there been a point in your life when you realized your need of a Savior, you received his gift, and you were put into Christ? Because if you are... If you are in Christ, according to this verse, then that means that you are a part of a body. In Christ, we, though many, all of us, are a part of one body. In fact, if you go back to verse 4, he says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. See, it's an incredible picture. The body of Christ is a picture of unity, but it's a picture of unity through diversity. It's, it's one body with many different, various, unique, sometimes strange members. One body, many members. One body, many members. But, understand, if you are in Christ, you are a believer, then you, it's not about if you want to be in the body, you have been put in a body. You have been put in his body, and that's, that makes you part of it. Many members, one body. In fact, 1 Corinthians, Paul said it this way, but in fact... God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Stop right there. You are not in the body because you figured it was a good idea. You don't have the opportunity even to say, I want, I don't. God put you here because he wants you here. There is a reason. There is no accidents in a body. God put you there. There is a reason why you have digits. There's a reason why you have eyes and ears. Every part has a, has a purpose. God puts you in the body because he wanted you there. And he goes on to say, now you are the body of Christ, and each one is a part of it. Why is serving such a big deal? Because, God says, as a believer in Christ, you are a member of a body, and so, if part of the body is not functioning, then the body is not healthy. If part of the body is not doing its job, the body is not functioning, there's something wrong with the body. That's how important your part is, is God says, I've put you in there. You are a part of a body, and to, so the, for the body to be healthy, your part needs to be functioning correctly. There's a couple of ways you can respond to this. One, what a privilege. Think about this, folks. God, by his design, put you in a body. And he said, I want you here. I have a place for you. I have a purpose. I designed you. I have a reason for you being in this body. Man, that's amazing. I'm in Christ, and God says, and now I have a purpose for your existence, and through this body, I have a reason for you to make an impact in the world. Wow, that's incredible stuff. But on the other hand, no pun intended, okay, we talk about the body. It's also very humbling because, yes, God put me in a body, but as that, as that verse said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. We can't say, well, I, I have more importance, so there's something especially incredible about my place in the body. We're all part of it. In fact, don't miss the last phrase in verse 5 where he says this. He says that all, every member belongs to all the others. Every one of us is in this together, and you belong to one another. And so that's why this membership is so important, why this abuse serving is so important. Because if you're not doing your job, then my job is being, is being affected. And if I'm not doing my job, your job is being affected. Because we all belong together. We're connected. 
And that's how important this is. We're all part of a body. We have said it often around here. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. And that means in your relationships, you're never going to grow to be where you need to be if you're not, if you're not in connection with the believers. But when it comes to the service and the impact of the body, if we try to do it on our own, we, the body loses the ultimate impact it can have because we're members of a body. So every believer is a member of Christ's body. That's why. Let me give you a second reason why this is so important. And that's because every member of that body, so if you're a believer, that's you. Every member is a minister. And I want you to write that down and I want you to circle that because that word is very biblically accurate. You are a minister. Someone asks you your occupation. I, I am a nurse. I am a teacher. I am a, I am a mom. I am a truck driver. Do you understand? By God's design, you are a minister. Now, on my occupational, that's one of the things they put under my options. You are a minister. Truth is, so are you. Being a minister is not that, that this, this is for all believers. If you are a member of the body, that also makes you a, a minister. We've used this term before. I've used it a lot, but it's just incredible to me. It's why I love the Word of God so much that every time I read it, God just gives me some fresh something that just kind of excites me about it a little bit. And, and that's kind of what I came from this word this week. And I hope, hope I can share that with you a little bit. If you go back to this idea of ministers, first and foremost, a minister is a, does anybody know? A, a servant, okay? So one of the first ideas is, is we, are, we are servants before God. First Peter, we go back to that. Um, he, he, says, he, he says to us, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, or another translation, as each of you received a gift, minister it to one another. Okay, there's that word again. We are, we are ministers. You are servants. Under foundation of all this is God has put you in the body as a member of the body. That makes you a, a minister, a, a servant. Jesus gave us the example of serving, washing feet, whatever it takes, just serve others. And then he expects us to do that, to serve others with that kind of humility and with that, that kind of heart. But he's also then equipped us. He's also given us the, the tools to serve, as he's called us to do. So right off the bat, gifts are intended to be an act of service. You are to take your gift and you're to serve with it, okay? But here's what got, this is what I want to make sure you understand about this idea of being a minister. Actually, if we dive back into the Old Testament, we get a whole new picture of the idea of what God meant when he said you're to minister and what it means to, to minister in God's, in God's kingdom. Exodus chapter 28, I would challenge you to read that chapter especially and maybe the chapter following it if you want to understand this concept. But God set up a group of men in the Old Testament and, and he referred to them as priests. And I know you've heard that term. This is how this chapter begins as he's talking about the priests. Call for your brothers Aaron and his sons. And he said about them, set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel. And look at this phrase. So they may minister to me and be my priests. God set up this, this, in, this very unique group of men in the Old Testament that were going to be, they were going to be stand in for the people. They would go to God for the people. They were going to, uh, they had special acts of worship. They, this was a specifically designed group of men that God had, had called for his people of Israel. Now, the reason I put this little funny picture up there is to make sure that you understand that whole chapter just goes into detail 
that these guys, if you saw them in that day or today, if they walked into this building, not just because they're wearing a robe, but just from that look, they, they were set apart. They were set differently. Everything about the garb that they wore, when they went in to do their job, from the, from the bells at the bottom of that robe to the, there's a medallion on the top of the head to even this, this piece that's on their, on their chest, the chest plate, the, the breastplate it's called. In fact, if you go down in the chapter a little bit, chapter 28 down in the verse, it says that chest plate is to be a re- continual reminder that you represent the people when he comes before the Lord. That chest plate had, had stones that represented all 12 of the tribes, had their names engraved on them. So he was literally going in to worship God in behalf of the people that are represented on his chest. I mean, everything about what he's wearing is significant. In fact, inside that breastplate, they also held what was called the Urim and the Thunum, which was a, which a tool they used. In fact, this is what it did. In this way, Aaron will always carry over his heart the objects, look at this, used to determine the Lord's will for his people whenever he goes in before the Lord. These priests were set up to worship the Lord. They did it because the people couldn't come into God's presence because of their sin, that Jesus hadn't been sacrificed yet. So they, they had these priests that would stand in for them. They also determined God's will. Everything about what these priests did was for the people. From Everything was significant about who they were and what they did. But thankfully, when Jesus came to the earth, you moved to the New Testament, Jesus changed this whole system of priesthood. And and essentially what he did is before you had to go through a priest to get to God, he would sacrifice for you, he would stand as your representative. But when Jesus died on the cross, when he died and he rose again from the grave, when he became the sacrifice for our sins, he also, the New Testament says, became our high priest so now you don't need a man. There's no, such, there's no such thing as a human priest that you have to go through to get to God. You, all you need is Jesus. And if you are in Christ, you, are, you have the high priest who sits next to his father, and you can go directly into God's presence because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross for you. So if you are in Christ, then you can go directly into God's presence because of our high priest, Jesus. He changed everything whenever he, when he came and when he died. What, what, a, what an amazing thing. But he also did something else. He not only became the high priest in which we go to God, but for all of us who are in Christ, hear this, maybe you've heard this before, but make sure you get this. He also made every one of us who are in Christ priests. If you are in Christ, you are a priest. Look at 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen people. This is speaking to all the the believers that Peter was writing to. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This, This is crazy. If you haven't figured this out yet, all God's people that are in Christ are called priests. This morning, if you are in Christ, you are a priest before God in the sense as as what we look at, someone who ministers to the Lord. You you now have the, the opportunities, the privileges. You can go directly into God, but he also says now as a priest, you have a you have a job, a task to do, right? I'll have people ask me because of my profession, right? Are you a priest? Yes and no, right? I, I, yes, I am a priest, but I'm not a priest because of my occupation as a pastor. 
I am a priest because of my position. I am in Christ. And you could say the same thing. I am a priest as well. Everyone in this room, you're looking at a room full of priests, those who God, because of Jesus Christ, have made so that, one, you can come and you can go directly to God, but you also now have the opportunity, the privilege, and the responsibility to minister to the Lord as a priest. So now let's go back to the verse we started with today. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. He said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Does that sound at all familiar? Do you realize that these are priestly terms? That he's talking to you, only the priest could offer sacrifices. So because of a priest, you can offer sacrifice to God as yourself, as an offer of praise. That's how you can truly worship. And they talk about the priest being able to determine God's will. You can do that now because you are a priest in God's kingdom. You have the ability to know what God wants to do for your life because you are a priest. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the whole act of ministering and service, it is an act of serving, but it's also an act of worship. You are a priest before God. You are a minister. Whenever you sign up for these things, whatever it is, or you're leading a ministry, think about You are a volunteer. I get that. In most cases, you're serving the Lord as a volunteer. But you're not just a volunteer. You are a minister. And it's not just if you sign up. You are a minister, whether you're serving in ministry the way you should or the way you could or not. You are, God has designed you as a priest, as one who ministers to the Lord that's who we are. That's who we, how we stand. We are ministers as an act of worship. Now, here's what the problem was in the Old Testament, as we see it. That was set up that there was basically a two-track system. You had the priests, and you had the people. And to get to God, you had to go through a priest to get there. Well, when Jesus came, he just demolished that whole system. Now we can go directly to God. But here's what's happened in church over the years is we, we tend to float back into that two-track system. And we have people who say, well, the, the people who are the preachers, the ministers, they're the ones who do the ministry. You know, I do a 40-hour week here, and then I, I come to church and I volunteer. They're the ministers. We're the lay people. And over the years, that, that, that divide continues to grow, that we have ministers and we have lay people. And do you realize Jesus says, no, you're all ministers before God. Now, I have an occupation. My daily work is a pastor, but I'm no more a minister than you. And you have a job of doing whatever you do, but first and foremost, you are a minister to God. Why is serving so important? Well, because you're part of a body, but also because you are a priest, a minister who has been called to serve others. That's how God has designed for you to do, is to be a minister. That's, that's, what, you, that's what you do. Ministry is not just for those, I've had people say, boy, I wish I could quit my job and be in ministry full time. And I understand what they're saying, but I want to encourage you, you are in ministry full time. That full time may be at a, at a school, it may be at a, uh, out in a field cutting corn and beans, but you're a minister full time. And it's about now finding God, how did you equip me? Because that's my job to serve is because of who you have who you've made me to be. It's a part of your worship to serve God. So why is serving so important? One, you're part of a body. The body needs you. You need the body. Two, you are a priest. You are a minister. That's how you've been made. Okay, that's what God has called you to do. 
The third thing from this passage we get is every minister then has a unique function in the body. Every one of you has a specific, we go back to that body analogy that Paul used, the organic picture. It's so vivid because all of us have one, right? We have a body, so we can understand the concept, one body, many parts, right? Go back to chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. It's God's plan. That's how he operates the church is he takes all of us, different gifts, and he puts it all together. And then I read through the list again. If it's prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with their faith. Serving, serve. Teaching, teach. Encourage, encouragement. Give. If it's giving, then give generously. If your gift is leading, do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Here's what we're talking to, what I want to make sure you understand is you don't see on that list specific job descriptions. What this is is a list of the categories of how God will use your gifts within the church. When, when we, we have a, sometimes the danger of something like we're doing today is you'll look around the room and you'll say, hmm, I don't see anything that fits my job description, so I just won't do anything. Do you understand that you have a gift, and that gift is meant to be used in his body and you're a minister to use it, but we may not have put it in the right terms for you to find it. The goal is that you understand, but I should be ministering somewhere, and I use whatever that gift is, and I, I find an area, and I begin to use my gift. In that. And so if it's prophesying, then, then if I'm in the, in the maintenance ministry, but my gift is prophesying, I can do that. i got to find a way, but I can, that's my gift. I, can, I love to work with my hands, but I also am a gift of encouragement. I also have the gift. And so whatever, you're in the kids' ministry, and you're the gift of leadership. So maybe you're not going to be a teacher. You're going to help organize. Whatever it is. God has given you these gifts to be used somewhere in the body, somehow to be used to, to strengthen the body and to, to bring others to Christ. All the opportunities that you have. It's a category. In fact, 1 Peter, which we'll, we'll come back to and we started with, he kind of gave two broad categories. You have the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. And if that's true, then that makes a lot of sense. Some speaking gifts are those that are kind of out in the front. This, this is a speaking gift. That would be a speaking gift. Speaking gift to those who are using some kind of verbal knowledge. And some of you, that's not your gifting at all, but serving. You're a more behind-the-scenes person. Whatever. And so if those two categories are correct, the point is, are you either speaking or serving or both? Because you're, you're here for a reason. It's about finding that and serving the way God has called you to serve. I'll give you a personal example. My gifts, I believe, as I've discovered them, are teaching Leading, encouraging. Those are my top three gifts. Now, that works great for what I'm at. Makes sense, right? But I believe in this congregation, there are probably several of you who have very similar gift set that I have. But you could take that same gift set, and that gift set was needed in the missions ministry. It's needed in the kids' ministry. It's needed in the youth ministry. You, you take whatever the, the gifts are and you use them in whatever opportunities God opens for your life. You take those gifts and you begin to use them. It doesn't have a job description. It has a gift description. And God wants you to take the gift that he has given you and begin to use it as he has called you to use. Here's how I, this is what I can know about your gifts. Every one of you was, was made to serve. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. He uses a phrase, for we are God's handiwork. Look at it. Here's our phrase again. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You realize when you got saved, you be, God created you a masterpiece. You're a walking work of art. 
God made you for a reason. He made you to serve, to do good works in his, in fact, he said in advance. He, he had already made, when he created you as a Christian, he already had in plan in mind to take those gifts and use them in something, wherever that would be, whatever the opportunities, whatever that, that part makes sense to you, and then use your gifts there. You've been made to serve, and you've been gifted to serve. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 says, now each, to each one of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. None of you missed out on the gift train when it came floating by. You can't say, oh, I don't have any gifts or talents. There's nothing I can do. God said, yeah, that, that, that. No, look at this. Every one of you, the Spirit has been given in some way for the, for the common good. Let me give you a couple other versions just to put this in a different way. The Spirit has given each of us a special way of serving others. Or a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Every one of you in the room, you're in Christ, you have been given a gift. Makes you a member of the body. Makes you a, you're a minister to serve. You have the ability. You can do this. God made you that way. God gifted you that way. God has given you the opportunity to serve. So why is serving so important? You're a part of the body. The body needs you. You need the body. You're a minister. You are a priest with a job to do. And you have actually been equipped to do what God wants you to do. He has given you the, the design and the gifts to make this happen. So our third question that we ask today is, so how? Some of you are asking, so how do I get involved? How do I know this? How, where do I need to, to find this, this essence? Or where does this all start? Well, whether you're a rookie, you're just going to get started maybe today or this, this season. Maybe you're coming back. You've kind of got off the team and you're coming back. Or maybe you're a veteran and you're serving. Here's a verse that I want you to grab that Paul said to his friend Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, Tim, listen to this. For this reason, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame. Stir it up. Very, very simply, he's saying there is a gift in you, and I'm encouraging you to, to, do, to, to brush off the dust, to stir up the embers, to keep it in your, fresh in your mind that God has. And stir this thing up. God has something for you. So, so come, leave here with that passion. God, I know you have. Let me stir that up. Get it moving again that you have a reason, a gift for me to, to serve. Here's what it kind of seems like as you're reading Timothy, First and Second Timothy. At this point, Timothy had either stopped doing some of the things he was doing Maybe he was, he was hesitating, he was pulling back. Or maybe Paul, being his close friend, noticed that he was discouraged and it just things weren't going well, whatever. There was something going on here, and Paul Paul's comes along and puts his arm around him and says, Son, stir that gift up. It's not going to be easy. Using this is not going to be as, this, you know, this walk in the park. You've got to let God, but, but stir it up. There's a reason God has called you. In fact, we don't know a lot about Timothy. From the Bible, a few things we do know, he was young. He had a, some kind of a stomach issue that Paul told, talked to him about. He also faced a lot of persecution, and there was a lot of reasons why he wouldn't want to do what he did, which makes the last part make sense, doesn't it? For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So members, ministers, let me just encourage you. You can do this because God put it in you. So let's do it. Let's get in the game. Let's get off the bench and say, God, 
I, I, I've tried this before, and it was, it was discouraging. I get that. I've tried this before, and it didn't work out too well. Or, or God, I'm afraid. The, the, the Spirit of God doesn't give us timidity. He gives us strength. He gives us power. He gives us the ability to do something that we couldn't do in ourselves. And that's what this is. We, we turn it, and we let God truly ma- make us understand what it is to follow him. So let me give you a, so again, you're saying yes, but how? I, I'm telling you, stir it up. How do you do that? Well, let me take you back to our opening verses, and I want to give you four words. Two of these words are more visible. One is, uh, are invisible. They're kind of behind the scenes or in your heart things, and two of them are a little more practical. The first one, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, is what he told us as he starts his whole thing, and he's going to end up with gifts. The, the idea of offer means to surrender. It means to, to give up. We'll use the word to release. The first step, if you want to serve God and you want to know how it is, whether you're serving now, whether you're going to get started, get started again, the first and most important is you release. By that, I mean you realize and recognize that this body is not yours. This doesn't belong to you. You, have a, you say, I don't have time, I don't have the schedule, blah, blah, blah. Wait a second. This life doesn't belong to you. And so if your schedule, your working, does not allow you to use your gift, that's not God's design. God made you to minister. So he's saying you've got to release, you've got to say, you've got to release the rights to your life. You've got to say, God, this isn't mine. I'm going to release control. I'm not, I'm not in charge. And so whatever you call me to do, I will offer my body. I will surrender. I am releasing it to you. And that may be releasing some events to be able to do what God has called you to do. But I have to release. The second word I would use that Paul uses, release and renew. He goes on in verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind, we know that just what we've talked about the last few weeks, that would include reading your scriptures and praying and spending time with God. It just renews you. It keeps it changed. But, but if you notice, the next verse continues. Here's some part of your renewing. You actually change the way you think. For, by the, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. So, one, I'm no better than anybody else. I get that. And not, I would say 90% of you in here, probably 99% of you would say, I get that. I'm not any better than anybody else. No, I have very few people in here think you are the best in the room. There's just not, that's just not the way this church is set up, right, for the most part. So that's, but let's think of it on the other side. Maybe I'm not better than anybody else, but the positive is not to think of it highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith. In other words, Train your thinking to think, God, you have a reason. If I'm sitting on the sidelines of church, there's something wrong there, God. Help me to think on what it is you've called me to do and not expect someone to make that happen for me, but to do what I can to get involved. We, we train, we renew our minds, release and renew. Say, God, I know what you've called me to do, and by your grace, I'm going to do what, whatever that is. Release and, and renew. And then once he gets to, to verse number six, the message is pretty simple. Whatever your gift is, prophecy, encouragement, what does he say? Do it. Use it. You got a gift? Go for it. 
You got a gift, don't let it sit there idle. You, you encourage people, then encourage people. You teach, then teach. You're, you're a leader, then lead. If you show mercy, do it. You've got a gift. He says, don't let that gift say idle. In fact, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, use whatever gift you have received, he says, to serve others, to use it to serve whatever it is. So let me give you two more words. We talk about release and renew. The next two words would be to engage and discover. Engage and discover. You'll see those on the screen in just a second. The, the idea is this, that you, a lot of times the, the, the best way for you to find out what your gift is is to simply start using it. You want to take a test? There's a lot of tests that help you find your spiritual gift. Fantastic. In fact, we give them around here once in a while. That's a great way. Do it. You want, to, you want to, um, someone else to confirm to you, well, I, I see that gift in you. That's great. Fantastic. But let me just challenge you with this. The best way to find out what God has given you to do is start seeing that in action. Start serving somewhere. Get involved. And then, not just because it's a hole to fill and I'm a volunteer, but start as you're serving. Say, now, what are the gifts? How is God using me? As I'm, as I'm uh, greeting people at the door, what is my gift? Am I good at encouragement? Do I see people's face kind of light up as I'm shaking their hand? Am I good at, at maybe a, a, the idea of prophesying, telling truth, and saying to them, I hope that today is going to be a great day for you. Or maybe it's just showing mercy, and you're one of the people that comes around and people just flock to you because they know that you care whatever that's a gift so you started in first impressions and you begin to use your gift in there to start doing what God has called you to do does that make sense start using it engage and as you engage begin to discover what God has made you to do and how he's made you to do it and let God's that begin to change in your life so we're talking about release renew engage and discover and we have one last question and I'll quickly share with you and that's the who who do I want to become through all of this? Not just what do I need to do, but who do I want to become? And with that, I end with Peter's words that we started with. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And then he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Now, maybe that's two categories of speaking and serving. I think that makes sense. But here's also what I know. No matter what your ministry is, at some point, God will have you speak for him, and he will call you to serve. Speaking and serving may be specific kind of talents that you have, but at some point, all of us are going to use those. So when I answer this question, who do I want to become? Whoever you are, this is what I would encourage you. I want to be a person who, number one, speaks God's words. Hear that again. When you speak, speak as one who speaks the very words of God. When you're sharing your ministry, when you're shaking a hand out there, when you're loving on a kid, let your words say, I want this to be a word from God to these people. I want them to hear God's heart. I want them to hear. So every time I stand up on this pulpit, that's exactly what I say is, God, help these words to be from you and not from me. Speak God's word. But then also, I want to serve with God's strength, not my own. So who do I want to become? I want to be a person who is speaking God's words and, and being strong serving with God's strength. That's who I, I want to become. That's the person I want to be. And this verse goes on to say, if anyone speaks, do so with one who speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And then the next part, as you'll see on the screen, says, so that in all things, 
God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Um, the ultimate thing is, why is serving so important? Because if I serve from my heart because I'm a minister, because I'm a part of the body, because God has equipped me and I give it everything I've got, ultimately, whether I see it or not, that brings praise to Jesus himself. I want to be a person whose life elevates Jesus. And I do that as I serve the way God has called me. So again, the challenge is very simple today. Get in the game. Join a team. If you're already serving, be encouraged that, you're, that's, that God has a place for you. If you haven't started serving, then find, find something. Give, give it a chance to let God show you what your gifts are. Or maybe it's to re-enlist, to get back up off the bench and to start serving again. But what has God called you today? There, there are several next steps that I encourage you. The first is simply this. And the question is, are you in Christ? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Have you received the gift of eternal life that came because Jesus died on a cross and rose again? If not, today could be the day that you receive that gift and know him as your Savior. If, you, if that just brings questions to your mind, then maybe you just mark, I, have, I need more information. I've got questions. Please, we, we'd love to share that with you. Maybe yours is just as the next step says, sign up. Take, you're, there are going to be people standing at each of these banners. They're going to have cards. And you, you can see on here kind of the, the synopsis. But there's going to be people with individual cards. You go up to someone at the events team. And you say, I kind of can be involved. I hand you a card. You put your name on it. And, and they'll, they'll put you in, a, a, in their list. And they'll begin to contact you. So find a, find a place. Sign up for something. Get started somewhere. Or get restarted somewhere to do what God has called you. Or, or maybe it's just God as a servant pray that I will speak your words, serve with your strength, and bring you glory with where I'm serving right now.